Well, hello, everybody. It's so good to see all of you. As Elizabeth said, my name is Chris Ward, and I am one of the pastors on staff here. And I don't know what you did wrong to get me two weeks in a row, but you must have been really, really bad. But I am happy to be with you here today. Hey, if you, grabbed, if you brought your Bibles here today, uh, you can grab them right now and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is where we're going to uh, camp out today. This weekend, we are drawing to a close the series that we began this year with. Uh, entitled All Things New. And uh, what this series has all been, been about, if you were here this first week, Matthew explained it, but in order to live out our mission statement as a church, and that is a mission statement to become a community of authentic Christ followers compelled to change our world, uh, we have rallied as a church around what we call a 3G strategy. Because we believe that biblically it's really important for us Christians to be committed to this, and the way that we are committed to our mission statement is that we gather, we grow, and we go. And over the last several weeks, that is what we have talked about. Well, this week what we've decided to do is we have decided to add one more G to the mix. And that's because there is something else that we believe is very important for us Christians to be committed to. And that is that we are to be committed to giving. We are to be committed to being generous with what God has given us and give back to those things that further his purposes here on this earth. And so that's the fourth G that we're going to be looking at today. We're going to be looking at the G, at the subject of giving. And as we head into this particular topic, um, I do want to spend just a moment here acknowledging, men and women, that I know that for some of you in this room, this can be a very uncomfortable topic. I know that there are some people who get very upset when a church starts talking on the subject of money. In fact, I can imagine what some of you are already thinking. You're thinking, oh no, here you guys go again. It's like that old saying, like bees to honey, so a church to money. And you pastors, you just can't avoid it. All you like to do is talk about money. And I understand that. And there are legitimately some of you who may not have come to church this weekend if you found out that this is what we were talking about today. Some of you may right now be looking for the nearest exit because you don't know if you really want to sit and listen to a pastor spend 35 minutes talking on the subject of giving and generosity and finances and so on. And I get all of that. But here's what I really believe about this subject, okay? I've given a lot of thought to this subject. And I believe that one of the reasons why this subject brings up so many bad feelings and emotions in people is because of honestly really poor teaching on this subject. You see, it's my belief that over the years, there have been so many in my profession, so many pastors who have not talked on generosity and giving and finances in the church the way that God's word actually talks about it. Because what I really believe is I really believe that if we talked about this subject the way that the Bible talks about this subject, it would eliminate so many of the negative feelings and emotions that this subject tends to bring up with some people. And so, for that reason, that is my goal here this weekend. I have one goal this weekend, and hopefully it's my goal every weekend, but this weekend what I want to do is I want to be as biblical and therefore as God-honoring on this topic as I can be. And that's why I brought you to this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. In my opinion, the passage we're looking at today is the best passage in our Bible to talk on the subject of giving and generosity in the church. The background behind this passage is this. The book of 2 Corinthians was written by the same guy who wrote Romans that we looked at last week. It's written by the Apostle Paul. 
And in the book of 2 Corinthians, Paul is on a mission. You see, we learn in our Bible that there is a church in another city, in the first century city of Jerusalem, and this church is struggling financially. We get the impression in our Bible that already they're not a very wealthy church, but now they're undergoing persecution. And so because of that, some of the Christians are having a hard time meeting their basic needs in this church. And to Paul, that's unacceptable. And so what Paul is doing is Paul is on a mission to go to some of the other churches in the region to raise money in order to be able to give to these Christians in Jerusalem. And that is one of the reasons why he writes 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians is written to a church that Paul himself founded in the first century city of Corinth. And every indication is that the church in Corinth, they were a relatively wealthy and well-to-do church. And so 2 Corinthians is in part a fundraising letter. It's Paul writing to this church in order to get them to, to raise some money to give to these Christians in Jerusalem. And make no mistake about it, brothers and sisters, Paul wants the Christians in this church to get. He wants them to be generous. And indeed, that is the call for all of us as Christians. In fact, if you leave with nothing else today, I want you to leave with that. God wants us as his people to be generous with what we have. He wants us to give to those organizations, those things on this earth, like the church that further his purposes here. God wants us to be generous. But what is so fascinating to me about the passage we're looking at today is the way that Paul goes about trying to get this church to be generous, it is so different from how I think many in the church today talk about money and talk about finances. Pick it up with me in verse 7 and you'll begin to see what I mean. Paul writes this, we'll also have on the side screens, he says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I want to read that again because it's such a key verse in this passage. Again, Paul says this, he says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And here's what you need to realize about verse 7. In the passage we're looking at today, this is the only place in that passage where Paul comes out and directly asks for money. This is the only appeal for money that Paul makes in this passage. But the way that Paul words verse 7 here, it provides for us a master class. And how to ask for money, how to talk about generosity in a spirit-filled and God-honoring way. In fact, there are two things especially that stand out to me about what Paul says in verse 7. The first thing that stands out to me is I want you to observe, nowhere in this verse does Paul tell this church how much they are supposed to give. In fact, nowhere in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, which are the two chapters that Paul devotes to this collection for this church in Jerusalem, nowhere in these two chapters does Paul give either a dollar amount or a percentage of their income amount that they are supposed to give away in generosity. And this itself is so different from how some pastors and some churches talk about generosity today. You know, those of you who have been around the church for a while, you have no doubt heard at some point in your Christian life, you have heard a pastor get in front of a church and they've talked on this concept of the tithe. And they've talked about, don't you know that all Christians are required to give one-tenth of their income every single week, every single month away in generosity. And that's what the word tithe really means. It means one-tenth. Well, I've talked about this before. 
It is my belief, men and women, and not just my belief, but the belief of a lot of pastors and scholars that I very much admire and respect, that the concept of the tithe in our Bible was something that was only reserved for the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. You see, in the Old Testament, with the nation of Israel, what God did is he mandated, legis- uh, mandated generosity. Okay, He mandated generosity. And what I mean by that is God required in the Old Testament all the Israelites to give, indeed, one-tenth of their income. And this money was given to support the temple in Jerusalem, and it was given to support the priests, and so on. And this was legislated. I mean, God actually put this in the law of the nation of Israel. Now, the Israelites could give more than that if they wanted to, but one-tenth was what was required. Well, brothers and sisters, we're not the nation of Israel. And we don't live in the era of the Old Testament anymore. We live in the era of the New Testament. And since we no longer have the temple and since we no longer have the priests the way they did in the Old Testament, I believe that the tithe is not required for us Christians anymore. And indeed, nowhere in the New Testament are we Christians told that we need to give away one-tenth of our income in generosity. Now, before you start jumping for joy and before I lose my job, I also have to make this very clear, okay? As I have also said before, listen, if one-tenth of their income was the minimum generosity that God required of the Israelites in the Old Testament, then I just can't imagine that God would view generosity today as anything less than that. And so I do think giving away one-tenth of your income in generosity is sort of a a great baseline for us Christians to think about or to work towards. But I have to be forthright with you. Nowhere does the New Testament require that of us Christians. And we see that in this passage. If it was required, this would have been the perfect place for Paul to talk about that. So how much are we Christians supposed to give? Well, Paul makes it clear in this passage. It's, It's whatever God tells you to give. As Paul says here, he says, you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. And the the image that Paul is giving us here is he is envisioning that every Christian would have a conversation with God about generosity. And that they would ask God, God, how generous am I to be? And that God would lay something on our heart. And then that is what we are to give. But Paul never says an amount. And that's the first thing that stands out to me about this passage. The second thing that stands out to me about this passage is not only does Paul not give an amount that this church is supposed to give, but but technically speaking, Paul doesn't even command this church to give. The beginning of verse 7 literally reads this. If you translate it from the Greek, it literally reads, each of you in your own heart what you have decided. Each of you in your own heart what you have decided. In other words, the word give in most of our English translations, Paul doesn't even use that word. There is no commanding verb in this passage. There's no main verb in this passage. In other words, although it's clear that Paul wants this church to give, and maybe he thinks they should give, nowhere does Paul come out and command this church to give. Instead, what Paul seems to express in this passage is just this quiet confidence that not only will the Christians in Corinth end up giving to this fund, to this fundraiser, but, but Paul actually thinks that the Corinthians are going to get to the place where they get excited about giving. 
That's what Paul says at the end of that verse when he says that they are going to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And the Greek word translated cheerful there, it's a great word. It's the Greek word actually from which we get our English word hilarious. And that's why Pastor Chuck Swindoll in this passage, he talks about hilarious giving. And what Paul really believes is he believes that this church is going to get to a place where they delight in the ability to be generous with what they have. And I don't think that Paul thinks this is something that is just possible for this church in Corinth. I think Paul thinks that all Christians can get to the place where we actually enjoy being generous with what we have. And this does not require a pastor to coerce or guilt or shame his church in order to get to that place. Now, when was the last time you heard a message in the church on giving that sounded like that and looked at things from that perspective? I mean, this is really different, isn't it, from how some today talk on this subject. And so the question that we, we come out of verse 7 with is, so what is it that gives Paul such confidence in you and me? Why does Paul believe that we can get to the place where we actually get excited about being generous and giving away what we have as God's people? Well, I think at least part of the answer to that question is found in the verses that surround verse 7 here. You know, what is it, men and women, that keeps so many people today, and I'm not just talking about Christians today, I'm talking about people in general. What is it that keeps so many people today from being generous with what they have? Just so you know, this is a problem in the United States. According to a very reputable study that I, I looked at this past week, did you know that one-third of Americans give literally 0% of their income away every year to charitable causes? Two-thirds of Americans give on average 3 to 4% of their income. Which means when you put this all together, the average American gives less than 3% of their income away every year to charitable causes. And by the way, this is going down. Americans are less generous than they have ever been. So why is that? Why are so many people reluctant to give these days? Well, I know at least part of the answer. At least part of the answer is because of this thing right here. It's because of a carton of eggs. By the way, when they found out I was bringing a carton of eggs on stage this weekend, we had to beef up security because, you know, this is like holding a bar of gold these days, right? But it's crazy. The, the amount that eggs have increased in price in just the last few weeks, I mean, they've tripled, quadrupled in price. And it's not just eggs. Everything is going up in price, isn't it? Any of you checked your gas bill recently? Mine doubled in the past month. That's why I'm wearing sweaters these days, because we're not turning on the heat in the Ward household anymore. I mean, everything has gone up in price. And I say that to say there are legitimate reasons why people don't want to be generous today. Because there is a real fear that people have that, that if I give away what I have, who knows, if I'm going to have enough for myself. And by the way, this fear, it's nothing new. In fact, uh, uh, economists have given it a term and they call it the scarcity mentality. And the scarcity mentality says, well, there are only so many resources to go around. And so I, I can't give what I have because I need to fiercely protect and guard what I have. Well, what I want to let you know, Christian, is that the scarcity mentality is not something, according to the Bible, that we Christians have to fear. And it's not a reason not to give. And Paul makes that clear in this passage. It's clear that the church in Corinth, they were struggling from the scarcity mentality. And so Paul approaches this subject head on. 
And he does so using the, this image of sowing and reaping. Look with me at verse 6. Paul writes, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Jump down to verse 10 now. He says something similar. He says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Stop right there. And here you see this image of sowing and reaping into a first century farming society like they were in the first century world. This would have made complete sense to them. And it's not hard for us to understand either. It works like this. It's going to be really hard for you to see this. But in this bag right here, I have the seed of a cantaloupe. Okay, this is a cantaloupe seed right here. And on its surface, a cantaloupe seed is a very unimpressive looking thing, right? You can't eat this. I mean, I guess you can, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't nourish you. You can't drink from this. You can't really sell this for very much. I mean, it's pretty unspectacular, isn't it? But this cantaloupe seed, it has a little secret. And what is that secret? Well, you take this cantaloupe seed, you plant it in some soil, you take care of it, and after a couple of months, what do you get? Well, you get something that looks like this. You get a cantaloupe. And what is amazing to me about a cantaloupe, men and women, one, that this size thing came from this little thing right here. But what is amazing to me about cantaloupe is this is everything that a seed is not. Not only can you eat from this, not only can you drink from this if you want, not only can you sell this for a lot more than you could a seed. But you know what's also special about a cantaloupe? You open this up, and what do you find inside of it? Well, you find dozens, if not hundreds, of other seeds. I mean, this is pretty incredible, isn't it? That this one little thing would produce so much more of its own kind. By the way, for this illustration, I originally wanted to use a watermelon, because I don't like cantaloupes. But did you know it's impossible to find a seeded watermelon these days? You can't find it anywhere. No, trust me, they're nowhere to be found. So a cantaloupe works just as well. But this is almost miraculous, isn't it? That, that, that one little seed would, would produce so many more of its own kind? Well, this is the principle of sowing and reaping. And what Paul tells us in this passage is that this is how the kingdom of God works. In other words, what Paul is saying in this passage is that when we give our money to those things that further God's kingdom, then it's like planting a soil in the seed of uh, planting a seed in the soil of God's kingdom. And just like planting seed in literal soil, when we plant see a seed in the soil of God's kingdom, we will get far more back in return than we give. This is exactly what Paul says in verse 10. Look with me again there. He says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And what Paul is saying there is he's saying that when we give to those things that further God's purposes, not only does God guarantee that he's going to take care of us, he's going to provide our basic needs, as it says there, he will provide bread for food. But if I read that correctly, it also says that God will give back to us more than we give to him. As it says at the end, the end there, he will increase your store of seed and he will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And what Paul is saying there is what we find throughout scripture. And that is this. It is that when we are generous to God, men and women, God says that he is going to be generous to us. So what does that mean? Well, as I said, on one hand, it means, yes, that the scarcity mentality is not something we have to fear as Christians. And it's not a reason not to give. Because God promises when we give, 
We're not going to have less. We're going to have more. He's going to take care of us. And this is also, men and women, how giving starts to become fun. Because it's when you start getting serious about generosity that you start seeing God show up in creative and exciting ways in your life as he fulfills his promise to take care of us. I've seen this in my own life. This past week I was thinking back to my first job out of college. And it was really my first job out of college where I, I tried to get serious about this generosity thing and giving back to God and my church a portion of what God had given to me. And so following the example that my parents had set for me growing up, because they were faithful in this, every single week I would, I would write out a check. And I would go to church, and when the offering plate came around, I, I would put my, my check in that offering plate. Well, I remember there was one week when as the offering plate started to go around, I, I was really hesitant that week to give my check. And the reason why is not only had the previous week had I had all these unexpected expenses that just come out of nowhere, but also that next weekend, I knew that I was planning to fly home. I was working up in San Francisco at the time. So I was planning to fly down here to see my family. And so since I knew I was about ready to buy a plane ticket, and since I knew I had just had all these extra expenses, I thought, well, maybe this week I just don't give away my, my offering. In other words, I was, I was tempted to adopt this scarcity mentality. Well, for whatever reason, and I can only describe it as the Holy Spirit, for some reason I fought through that temptation. And, and when the offering plate came by, I put my check in it. Well, fast forward a few days later. A few days later, there was a surprise meeting that popped up on my work calendar. And it was for a company that I, I wasn't familiar with. And so I googled that company to see where it was. And it turned out that that company was located here in Southern California. It was located in Los Angeles. And so what that means is my company was going to fly me out on Friday in order to visit, go to this particular meeting. Well, when that happened, the wheels in my head started turning. And so I emailed my boss and I said, hey, I see we have this meeting in L.A. on Friday. I was actually already planning to fly out to Southern California this weekend. Would you mind if I booked my return flight for Sunday afternoon instead of Friday after this meeting so that I could, I could stay in Southern California for the weekend? And a few minutes later, my boss emailed me back and she said, no, I looked into it. Actually, that would be cheaper if you did that. The company would love it if you did that. And so do you see what happened? The weekend that I was already planning on flying home, I got a free flight on my company's tab. Well, I was over the moon about this. In fact, literally, I remember I was skipping through the hallways. And as I was skipping through the hallways, I felt like God's spirit said to me, Chris, this is what happens when you're generous to me. God took care of me just like he said he would. Now, understand men and women. These examples of the miraculous provision of God, they don't happen all the time in my life. I'm not getting a free flight every single week, okay? But here's how it has worked in my life. As my wife and I, my wife is better at this than I am, but as my wife and I have tried to be consistent in this and tried to consistently give a portion of what God has given to us back to him, the, the simplest thing I can say is this, we have always been taken care of. Have there been some lean times? Yes. Have there been some tight times? Absolutely. But we have always had what we needed. And I want to emphasize this because I, I know so, what some of you are thinking right now. And what some of you are thinking is, Chris, you're, you're starting to sound like one of those television preachers. You're starting to sound like those health, wealth, and prosperity guys. 
I mean, are you saying that if we give to the church and we just sow our seed money that God is going to make us wealthy beyond our wildest dreams and we're going to be flying around in private jets and that sort of thing? Is that what you're saying? Well, no, that is not what I'm saying. And that's not what Paul is saying. And here is a place where, once again, Paul is so different from how some in the church talk about this subject. Because yes, Paul does seem to indicate when we are generous to God, he's going to be generous to us. But you have to understand why Paul says God will be generous to us. It's not so that we can be independently wealthy. No, God is generous to us so that we can continue to give to other people. So that we can continue to be generous. Paul makes this point twice in this passage. Once is in verse 8. Paul says this, he says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will be wealthy beyond your wildest dreams. Is that what it says there? No, what does it say? It says, you will abound in every good work. God is generous to us so that we can continue to do good things. Paul makes the point even clearer in verse 11. Look what he says there. He says, you will be enriched in every way. Why? So that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You see, when we are generous with what we have, When we decide to spend it on others and not spend it on ourselves, God knows that he can trust us. And so he will continue to give to us. It's a no-brainer in that case to continue to give to us so that we can continue to be generous. And I want you to know who is it that gets the credit. Paul says at the end of that verse, he says, Your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. When we are generous in the name of Jesus and give to those things that further his purposes here on this earth, It's ultimately Jesus who gets the credit. You heard a story about this last week. The family that's coming to our church because someone else in our church got them a washing machine. That's the reason that we give. Not to point to ourselves, but to point to God. And that's what leads back to this quiet confidence that Paul has that we're going to get to this place where we're actually excited about giving. You know, as I said, Paul clearly wants this church to be generous. He wants them to give, but he doesn't coerce and he doesn't guilt and he doesn't shame. Why? Well, I think it comes down to one word in this verse, in verse 7, and that is the word heart. As Paul says there, he says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. And Paul uses that word heart deliberately. You see the heart in the Bible, and we see this earlier in 2 Corinthians, that is the place where the Holy Spirit dwells within us. That is the place where Jesus takes up residence within us when we become a Christian. And that is the place that Jesus transforms from the inside out. And so the reason why Paul doesn't have to guilt or shame or coerce is because Paul knows that anybody who has Jesus within them and is being transformed by Jesus, well, they can't help but be generous because Jesus himself is generous. And so anybody being transformed by Jesus is going to end up being generous as well. And that's why throughout the Bible, how we spend our money and generosity, it is a sign of where we are in our relationship with God. You see, a heart overflowing with radical generosity is a clear sign of a heart overflowing with the radical love of Jesus. That's why I believe that any pastor who has confidence that their church is growing in the knowledge of God and his word, as I have confidence in all of you as one of your pastors, that pastor never has to worry about their church being generous. Because any church that is falling more in love with Jesus, as all of you are, 
will fall more in love with being generous. You can't fight it. It's just going to happen. That's what God's word says. A heart overflowing with radical generosity is a clear sign of a heart overflowing with the radical love of Jesus. So what does that mean for us very practically here today? Well, I think it means a few things. First of all, we are not ignorant of the crazy financial times that we are living in. And I would imagine to some of you it may even seem a little bit insensitive when we hear about layoffs every day this past week in the news that we would decide to talk on the subject of money. But I go back to the image of sowing and reaping. I believe the best, indeed I believe the safest investment that we can make these days is in the soil of God's kingdom. It was Martin Luther who said this. He said, I have had many things in my hands that I lost. The things I placed in the hands of God I still possess. And that's true. So that's first. Second, and related to that. This weekend, we're going to bring something back that we haven't done in quite a while. And that is starting uh, after my message here today during our last song and, and, and in the services from here on out. We're, we're going to start passing the offering baskets again. And, and let me give you a little bit of, of the motivation behind this, okay? Uh, we haven't done this in about three years. I think we did it at a Christmas service. But other than that, we haven't done it in a regular service in three years. And what I want to let you know is in the, the 10 years now that I have been here, I have hardly, if ever, put any money in these offering baskets. And that's why, because like many of you, any giving that I do, it's done online. It's done electronically. But even still, I have missed the passing of these baskets. And the reason why is because the passing of these baskets in the service, they always prov provided a moment where I could check my heart. And as the baskets were passing by, what I would do is just for a second, I would hold it just for a split second, and I would do this self-evaluation, and I would ask myself, am I fully trusting God? Is my heart fully surrendered to him? Because that's what this really comes down to. God doesn't need our money. No, what God desires is our heart. Now, how we spend our money is an indication of where our heart is, but it's just one indication. And so that is part of the reason that we are passing these baskets again. And I would encourage you to, to use this moment in our services as an opportunity to do that. That when this pa basket passes by you, just for a split second, you ask yourself that question. Am I fully trusting God? Am I giving my heart to him? That's what God wants in this basket, not our money. He wants our heart. So that's the second thing. And then the third thing that all this means is this card that you got when you came in. And you can go ahead and pull this out right now. If you didn't get one, you can raise your hand, and one of our ushers will be happy to bring them to you. Uh, but here's the deal behind this card. I, I really think that if you've never given before, or even if you have, the best way to start this act of generosity is just to start it, just to try it, and to see what God does with it. And that's why we're, we're, we're issuing what we're calling this giving challenge here. And the, and the reason we're giving you this is, is this. We, we would imagine that there are some of you that as a result of this message, you're beginning to feel like, you know what, I, I do want to try this. But I don't have any idea where to begin. Well, well, that's what this card is. What we did this past week is we sat down and we thought of a few different options, a few different steps that some of you might want to take out of this message. And you see these steps kind of right there in the middle of this card. So for example, there are some of you who have never given to a church before, and that's fine. But you've decided that, yeah, you want to take a step in this. And maybe the step that you want to take is you want to try just giving something and seeing what happens. Well, that first box, that first line is for you. 
There are others of you, you have given before, but it's never been consistent. And maybe God right now is laid on your heart. Yeah, it's, it's time to start being consistent about this. Well, that's what the second line is for. Others of you, you give consistently, but maybe because of something that you've, you've seen in God's word, God is putting on your heart. It's, it's time maybe to, to trust a little bit more and give it a little bit more. Well, that's what the, the third line is for. And then there are some of you who feel compelled right, God, right now by God to be crazy generous because you are crazy. And it's fun. And that's what the final line is for. And so, here's what we'd encourage you to do. If you feel led to do this, and this is only if you feel led to do this, then you mark that line that applies to you. And then between now and Easter, which is how long this challenge is going to last, between now and Easter, you commit to what it is that you have said to do. Okay, so that's what the top part of this card is for. Now, on the bottom part of this card, you see that it's perforated and there's a place to put your contact information. And here's the, th the thinking behind that. There are some of you that may want to take this giving challenge and you know something about yourself. And that is that you know that you need a little bit of encouragement in this. And so if that describes you, what you can do is you can fill out the bottom part of this and then you can tear this off. And then when our offering baskets go by in just a moment, you can put this in our offering basket. And if you do that, all we're going to do is this. We're going to put you on an email list. And then at various points between now and Easter, we're going to send you a short devotional on the subject of what the Bible has to say about giving. And that's it. And it's simply to encourage you between now and Easter in this challenge. And then once Easter hits, you know what we're going to do? We're going to set fire to these cards and we're going to set fire to that email list and you will never hear from us on this particular subject again, okay? We're not going to spam you. That's not our intent. But if you want a little bit of encouragement in this, that's what this is for. You can also go online and sign up for it that way. But as we close here, let me say this, okay? There's one verse in this passage I haven't covered yet. And I've deliberately left it to the end. And that is verse 9. Because what Paul does in verse 9 is he talks about how the character of those who give, especially those who, who give to those in need, how their character lasts forever. 2 Corinthians 9, 9, Paul is quoting an Old Testament passage and he says this. He says, as it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. And what I want to let you know about that verse is that verse is about all of you. It is. Matthew gets the opportunity to say this a lot. I don't say this enough, but brothers and sisters, you are a generous church. You're a generous church. And you heard it last week. There is so much good that is being done in the name of Jesus because of your generosity. And so from the bottom of my heart, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being generous. Thank you for giving what you've given. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you, for, thank you for giving more than just your money. So many of you give your time as well. And so many of you sacrifice in so many different ways. So thank you for being the church that you are. And I hope you have already felt. And I hope you continue to feel the blessing of God because of your generosity. And all I say going forward is this. Let's just keep it up. Let's continue the, the legacy of radical generosity from hearts that are radically changed by Jesus. And let's see God get the credit and God get the glory in everything that we do. Amen? Amen. Will you bow your heads with me, please? As I said in just a second, our ushers uh, during this final song, they're going to pass these baskets. And as we head into this time, I just feel appropriate just, just to pray um, over this moment in our service. 
And so God, we uh, just come before you right now, Lord. And we recognize that everything that we have comes from you, Father. Not just our finances, God, but our very breath comes from you, God. We could not breathe if you did not make it possible, Lord. And God, you are such a generous God to us. And it's out of that generosity that you showed to us, God, that we, we show generosity to others. In fact, Father, I really believe that there are a few things that we do in this life uh, that more reflect your character than when we are generous to those around us. And so God, as this weekend, we start this process again of passing these baskets, Lord. I, I pray that this would be um, and become a powerful moment in our services, Lord. I pray, God, that it would even be a moment that we, we begin to look forward to because of the opportunity it provides us to reflect, if even for a second, on all that you've given to us, Lord. And it provides us an opportunity for us to just reflect, am, am I ready to give everything back to you, Father? Because as I said, that's what this comes down to. That's what all this is about, Lord. You don't want our money. You don't need our money, God. You, you want us. And Father, we, uh, we want to get to a place, Lord, where whatever it is that you ask of us, we are not only ready to give it, God, but we are excited to give it because we believe that the best thing that we can do is give our lives to you. So Father, I pray, Lord, that you would uh, just continue to stir up within us what, what we've already seen, and that's the, just the, the heart of generosity that is at the heart of this church, Lord. And God, I pray, Father, that we would experience uh, your blessing and your kindness as a result of that. And we would know that's not for us to keep to ourselves, but that's for us to share with others as we continue to become a community of authentic Christ followers, compelled to change our world. And so, Father, we give this last final moment in this service to you, Lord. Would you be pleased in and through everything that happens here, Father? And God, I pray that... Um, we would know and sense and feel your presence and your blessing in this place. We love you, Father. We thank you. And we ask all this in your son's name. Amen.